lest I hold you long, I want to bring your attention uh, to a scripture found in the book of Job, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 20 and end at verse 22, which will be the ending of the chapter itself. Amen. Hope and pray that you've been enjoying this series so far, Seeking Him Through Worship. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, presentations of our singers and musicians and spoken word. There's more to come, amen. As you find the scripture, I'll lead us in a, a short word of prayer. God, our Father, thank you for this time. Cover me now, God. Speak through me. Give me confidence because I have the victory in you. And as I elder just said, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan to get behind so if there be any issues, any hindrances, any obstacles that may arise mentally and physically, God block them so that your people may hear word from the Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Scripture reading, Job, first chapter, verses 20 through 22. Going to reach from the New International Version. says, uh, at this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked will I depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. The name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Amen. For a few moments, I'd like to talk to you from a tag in our sermonic series, Seeking Him Through Worship. Look at your neighbor in your house and just tell them, Worship held me together. Amen. Let's say that one more time. Get that in your spirit. Worship held me together. Amen. Thank you for your attention to the reading of God's word. Since the beginning of time, God created us and established us in a relationship, giving us purpose and responsibility. Contrary to what you feel or may believe, you are not put here to waste time and spend money. Let me remind you, you have been created for an awesome task, and that is to worship, to reflect God's goodness. Amen. CBS taught me this. We're here for two reasons mainly, to give God glory and to enjoy his blessings forever. What is worship then, some of you may ask. Worship is the worth of something or someone to an individual or group. For the believer, it is the valued relationship between creation and creator. It is equivalent to being compared to a car to a gas station needing to be refilled. It can be compared to a cell phone that's been in use all day, needing to be recharged. A lamp is powerless unless it's plugged into a reliable source. And so it should be the valued relationship between creation and creator. Even from the very beginning, Satan has desired to disconnect us from God. We see this first in Adam and Eve. Satan comes along to deceive Eve and then Eve got to Adam, destroying the paradise they knew. To have worship disrupted 
and have a need to restore the worship relationship. Yes, the value of the creation's relationship with the creator. This is what Satan wants to do. He wants to devalue that which is valued, to interrupt the paradise with problems, to sever our worship, yes, even your relationship with the Savior, creating social distance with the Father. 2020 has been without a doubt not the promising year everybody declared it would be. Many of us quoted 2020 will be the year of great vision. People marked and, and had business plans and set dates to be married. I myself planned a birthday trip and church uh, churches around the world and including mine specifically invested in leaders and groups and had trips planned and not only that but other people had promotions they were looking forward to purchasing new homes high schools uh, graduates looking to walk across stage and before that at least attend a prom college grads preparing for promising futures then all of a sudden a disruption of everything COVID-19 put a pause on proms, promises, potential plans, and in most cases, provisions. Furloughed from jobs, frustrated with a fickle government, and feelings of being a prisoner in your own home. Countless lives lost from natural causes and viruses, not just from COVID-19, but from a virus we've faced now for many years, racism. More friends and family shot by cops self-proclaimed cops and adding more pain to an already painful reality that has everyone asking questions and looking for answers. How can I be strong when every time I look around there's bad news? How can I not live in fear when I'm threatened by the unknown all around me? How can I be at peace in the world when the world is at war with me and my family? What or who do I hold to when everything that I hold near is taken away? Our sermonic series is entitled Seeking Him Through Worship. Can I break down that title for you? Seeking means to find or to look for. Him, of course, just in case you're wondering and trying to figure out, we're talking about God. Through is simply defined from one end to another. And we know that worship is defined as the worth or the worthship of something. If I remix the question, this is what you would definitely hear the, the sermonic title say. Is it worth looking for God from one end to another? Can I say that again for you? Is it worth looking for God from one end to another? That's the question today. And I have the answer. The answer is yes. When life leaves you lost, you feel broken and folks are wondering why haven't you fallen apart. You can tell them it's because my worship held me together. Somebody ought to be excited right now because of the title. We're about to jump into the scripture, but can I segue and leave you with a quote from Robert Weber? He says, for many years, the church has emphasized evangelism, teaching, fellowship, mission, and service to society to neglect the very source of its power, worship. My, my, my. Are you praying with me? The biblical figure Job shows us how much worship matters to the believer in times of great trial and test. 
teaching us worship is all that you need when it's all you have left. In just one day, starting with verse 13 and 19, Job lost his farming company of 400 oxen, his tractors. He lost 500 donkey, which is his heavy haulers, his U-Hauls. They were stolen by the Sabaeans. Then his clothing line, the meat supply, the milk, his 7,000 sheep, burned by the fire, not root in arson, but by lightning. After that, he loses 3,000 camels, his limos, his Cadillacs. They were stolen. To top everything off, he loses 10 children, my God, three girls and seven boys, and a numerous of employees who were murdered except for the four servants who came to deliver this heart-wrenching news. If this were you, it goes without saying, you would lose your mind. You'd seek revenge of the Sabaeans and Chaldeans, and then you would, you would look and see and, and notice that there's no satisfaction in seeking revenge. But then, not only that, to top everything off, you would have lost your legacy, and seeking revenge would not fill the void of losing your children. This void cannot be filled by rage. So what then do you do? What Job does next is far what I feel God is encouraging all of us to do in times of loss. Both things we loved and, and seeking revenge or theft or murder. He doesn't tell us to go out and kill nobody. He doesn't tell us to go out and uh, seek revenge. What he does in this scripture, verse 20, he says, At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. First things first, he mourned his loss. He shaved his head, tore his clothes, and in that time, that was an indication of great grief and mourning. In other words, he had a humorous fun to everything he experienced. After that, he worshipped. Here's what worship would do, our first point. Worship salvages your relationship with God. When friends and family come to me concerning great dealings of loss, I'm often guided by the Spirit to encourage them, saying you don't need permission to be human, indicating that it's okay to show emotion. Paul Martin and Shirley Caesar would say that your tears are just temporary relief. Your tears are just a release of pain, sorrow, and grief. Your tears are expressions that can't be controlled. A little crying is, all right, you know the song, but after a while, you won't have to cry no more. Don't worry. God's going to wipe every tear away. Jesus himself cried in what's to be the shortest scripture in the Bible. John chapter 11, verse 35 says, Jesus wept, showing the emotion concerning the loss of his brother Lazarus and the lack of faith based on the relationship that he already had with the sisters, Mary and Martha. It's important that we don't stop at the loss. Because Satan wants to use this loss to continue to put on repeat so that way you can still feel that pain and never move from the pain. What God wants to do is to move the pain and give you victory in spite of the pain. What God has done and what God will do when you seek him through worship is give you a miracle. Listen, watch this here. Notice in verse 42, 41 and 42 of John 11, 
He says, so they took away the stone. In other words, they moved the thing that was blocking the miracle. Your emotions can very well be the stone that blocks your miracle sometimes, so you can't stay there. Then Jesus looked up and says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe you sent me. Listen to this. Jesus didn't allow his pain, the pain to lose the fact that he needed to push through for purpose, nor block the opportunity for God to perform a miracle. He understood what he had to do for the benefit of the people. God is looking for you to use that worship as a tool to move emotions out the way, to give people some hope because they're watching your response. Amen. Look at this. Job worship's relationship was already established not only here, but also in the beginning of the chapters, verses 4 and 5. As a matter of fact, he shows us many ways we can worship. In 4 and 5, he shows us that, number one, priority, spending time with God. The scripture says he made arrangements. you got to make worship a priority. Number two is he shows us intercession because he's praying for his kids, his ten kids. And if you had to pray and worship God and set atonement for ten kids, that takes time. Confession. We got priority, intercession, and confession. The confession was because he said, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And not only that, verse 5 says, this was Job's regular custom. In other words, he did it often. That's what Job is telling us in the scripture. This is what we should do with worship. Make it a priority. Intercession is a part of worship. Confession is a part of worship and a regular relationship in worship. David Jeremiah quotes this. We worship whom we trust and we trust whom we know. The reaction we see first in Job is derivative from a human emotion which then turns into a spiritual declaration to show that what he valued the most in difficult times. Yes, that's his worship and relationship with God. R.C. Sproul said, if your knowledge of God is superficial, our worship will be superficial. During this social distance phase of life, I, like many others, have discovered how much life has gotten into the way of our relationship with God. And our families. I feel this was God reset button from the beginning to call his people to return to him and to remember the value of a relationship he established with creation. The side note may actually hurt your feelings when I say this. I want you to think about this. If you have a job, had a job back at work or never stopped working, take a lesson from Satan. Watch this. Verse 6 says, he came to us in a meeting. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Basically, Satan showed up when the sons of heaven met. He came to the meeting. Verse 7 says he gave a report when he was called on. And look who he's talking to, God. If Satan can have a relationship with God and still have a job, what's your excuse? May we never allow work to hinder us from seeking God again. No excuses. 
God has taken the very jobs we work for to turn around and pay us without working. So we can focus on reconnecting with him and our families. Listen to this. Worship not only salvages your relationship with God. In verse 21, we discover that worship simply refocuses your reality. The scripture says, then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, then the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job yet teaches us another aspect of worship. Job shows us that worship humbles you and helps you realize you are powerless. The scripture says he fell to the ground. If you had the power, you wouldn't fall, right? Watch this. He focuses his attention on the one who does have the power. This tells me worship acknowledges the sovereignty of God. And to acknowledge God's sovereignty, that worship can can turn into praise. Because he says, bless be the name of the Lord in many occasions, many uh, uh, scriptures, many verses of the scripture. Then it says, may the name of the Lord be praised. Listen to the re, uh, realization of an undeniable truth. Watch this. He was a rich man in the area, multiple businesses, employees, and 10 kids. And the weight against God's sovereignty in this took place. Watch this. Can I lift it up for you? Job basically puts worship on the balance beam to show us how much heavier worship is versus the things that you may be struggling with. Your worship should outweigh your worry. Your worship should outweigh your heartache. Your worship should outweigh your doubts. Your worship should outweigh your disappointment. Your worship should outweigh your debt. Your worship should outweigh your debt. Your worship should outweigh your financial loss. And your worship should always outweigh your work. Pastor, if I could use this, when we understand the power and the weight of worship that had that the power of worship has to refocus us, we can join in with the psalmist in Psalm uh, 34 when he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped around about them that fear him and delivered them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want in him that fears him. The lions, yes, sir, do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Think about Peter walking on water. What is he simply saying? When his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was operating in the supernatural, doing the impossible, the unnatural. The second he began to take his focus off the supernatural, he began to sink. But when we realize, when he realized he was about to lose his life, he remembered his relationship 
with the creator, the valued relationship between creation and creator. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Then Jesus reached down, picked him up from destruction, picked him up from depression, picked him up from fear, and secured his relationship with the creation. Here's the segue. When you put your focus on him, he will put his focus on you. Worship secures your relationship, and it refocuses the believer. And the last point, lest I hold you long, is worship secures the rectitude of the believer. Verse 22 says, uh, verse 22 is where we find this uh, this point. I did a word search on us. And my my research, in my research, I discovered that it's a Arabic uh, uh, phrase. It it defined in in the Arabic, it means to counsel or to regard with deep intercontemplation. In other words, to look at something for a long time. In your life, you are right now looking at all the things that are happening to you. Job had a lot to happen to him in just in one day. And it feels like that your deliverance is taking forever. It could be suggested that you're focusing on the wrong thing and not on God. Have you ever looked at those uh, images that came from the newspaper that they were fixed pictures? The patterns were a little confusing. You couldn't see the picture other than to see the same patterns over and over again, different colors clashing, and it's just this repetitive clash of colors would cause you to really think that the picture had no value at all. But what would happen is the directions would tell you to hold the picture to your nose, look at it for at least 10 seconds, and slowly begin to bag it up from your face. And all of a sudden, you'll start noticing that there was a picture inside the picture. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you put your focus on God, if you put him in your nose, right in your face, spend some time in worship, whatever you may be going through, whatever chaotic situation you may be facing, the things may be looking like they're confusing. The things may be looking like they're not going to make sense. But once you start focusing on God and start backing away from the picture, you will see that in the midst of the chaos, God was in the midst of that picture. God was in the midst of that picture, and all he was was doing was waiting on you to focus on him, to salvage your relationship with God, not only that, but to get you to refocus on him. And then, of course, to not only do that, but to hold fast your integrity, the rectitude of the believer, because Satan seeks to destroy your worship relationship. And if he can get you to focus on everything around you, he can take your eyes off God. If he can get you to focus on the winds and the waves, he'll take your eyes off God but when you actually realize that your help and your strength is in magnifying the Lord and making your Lord bigger than your problems God would reach down and save you from the chaos that you're dealing with have I got a witness in here Satan wants to tear that chaos up in your life and to make you feel like there's no recovering from where you are and you cannot seek God. He wants you to do what he said he'll get Job to do, to curse God to his face. As I close, I leave you with this. I remember when Hurricane Harvey hit, we took in a lot of water and on this street, I'll never forget it. I had never been in this situation before. I fished, Uncle Vern. I've been places where you have shallow water where you can weigh fish. 
I've been in places by which you, you can see the bottom in certain, certain cases. I've been to the Caribbeans. You can see the bottom. But I have never been in a vehicle after losing everything in about five feet of water where water was over my lap in a truck and my family was looking at me to save them. I asked God for strength to open the door because the water had gotten so high, it was not an easy task. My wife couldn't open her side of the door, and of course the kids were way too small to do that. And even me being as, as strong as I am, it took effort. And after a second time, God gave me the strength to open the door. As the waters were rushing in, it got a hold to my daughter. And my daughter looked at me, and she was shaking. And I said, hey, 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 get your focus right here. Focus in on daddy. Daddy got you. And when I told her that, she snapped out of her worldly trance, reached up and grabbed me. What am I saying? God is coming to you in your situation, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of what seems like an impossible task, in the midst of what seems like you can't pry yourself out of. He wants you to focus on him. Start worshiping him and realize God got you. When you go through the situations and issues of life, the tests and trials, you want to ask the question, what's holding you together? You can tell that person who asked you, it was my worship that held me together. You want to know why I'm still here and why Harvard didn't take me out? It was because my worship held me together. You want to know why I'm still standing, why I'm not dead, why no matter what happens in my life, I decide to trust God? It's because my worship held me together. Whatever it is you may be going through, God is teaching us through Job, if you start focusing on me, because I considered you, you need to consider worshiping. And when you do worship, God will refocus you. He will take whatever you're going through and say, listen, I got you. You go ahead and reach out to me and I'll take care of the situation. Is there anybody out there ready, ready to worship God? Because he is definitely going to put his focus on you when you put your focus on him. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it was my worship that held me together. Turn to the other neighbor, wake him up if they're asleep and tell him that it was my worship that held me together. The reason I ain't crumbling it is because my worship held me together. Because I have a worship relationship with God, I do it often. I do it not only as a priority, but I intercede for other folk every Monday morning at 6 a.m. It's because my worship relationship. I've been praying to God. I've been spending time with God. And if you spend time with God, that's less time you can spend looking at your situation, looking at Satan, trying to get you to curse God and die. But if I had about two or three people in your house right now, if I got three people in this building right now, that can, that can declare that no matter what happens in my life, I've decided to worship God. Why? Because worship is what's going to hold me together. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for at least showing us, God, through Job, that no matter how chaotic life may get, no matter what life may throw at us, if we learn to worship you, 
If we learn to keep our relationship with you, if we learn to focus on you, you will focus on us. It's interesting, God, that the word says, you told Satan he can bother everything that belongs to Job, but you told Satan what belongs to you he can't touch. Thank you to know, God, that you have the final say-so. You control the narrative. And I'm thankful, Lord, to know that just like Job, many of us may have been considered. Help us to consider worship. Help us to realize it's worth seeking you from one end to another. Help us to realize, God, we can seek God through worship. Help us to have a relationship. Help us to make it priority. Most of all, God, I pray that you would help us to make a practice of it because just like in Job, chapter 2 brought about a whole nother trial. And it was then worship that held Job together. When it got to his wife, it was still his worship that helped him to maintain his integrity. God, I pray that you would help us to maintain our integrity in spite of what we may be dealing with. Furloughed, broke, frustrated, confused, issues in life, whatever the case may be, help us to remember it's our worship that will hold us together. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.